Well, welcome to this week's NL full-time podcast. We're all still self-isolating away from each other. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining us it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Hi, boys. And we've also got Chris Pratt, who's uh, locked away in an attic somewhere. Hello, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Luke. And joining us as well, he's back after a week off, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hi, Luke. Good to speak to you again. This week's special guest joining us is England Sea goalkeeping coach Mick Payne. Hello, Mick. Yeah, it's a good afternoon, Luke, and all the guys. Yeah, really delighted to be on today. Yeah, it's a Saturday afternoon. Once again, no football. Obviously, the reason we've got Mick on is because on Tuesday we should have been at Carnarvon Town watching England Sea take on Wales in a repeat of last year's fixture that me and Chris saw at Salford last year and Mick you've been waiting absolutely ages for this game and then it's been taken away from you through no fault of anyone's really no no it's all right Luke. yeah dead right I mean it's a you know a shame there's no doubt about it but we all know there's uh, you know far more uh, important things to sort of uh, concern us all at the moment but you know for those lads it was it was a, a huge disappointment and um, look let's just hope they get another opportunity that's the, that's the only thing I, uh, I'm concerned about that those lads you know might only be there one opportunity but Let's hope, uh, you know, things can work out for them uh, in the future. We'll we'll chat more about future games coming up. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if Rob's mentioned it. Thinking about um, a best eleven that's ever played for England. See, have you got something in mind for that? Yeah, we have. I mean, when you say best eleven, I mean we've been very, very um, lucky over the years. Well, I've been very, very lucky over the years to be part of the coaching setup and uh, you know the players that have come through the England Sea is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean. Again, I don't think people totally can appreciate and uh, understand, you know, the, the, the quality that's come through. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about, although he never played, Russ Jamivar, he was called up twice for us, but he never played. So I can't really put him in the team at the moment, but uh, he was one who was, uh, you know, definitely knocking on the door. Same as Jay Adams, actually, who uh, he got called up for us as well. Shay Adams was at Southampton, so you know, unfortunately I didn't get their caps, but uh, they were a part of the setup. Well, let's dip slightly below the National League because on Thursday the FA announced that after consultation with the leagues and clubs from steps three to six that basically they were just going to null and void the season and the FA Council are going to meet this coming Thursday to ratify that decision. However, a couple of weeks ago we did chat with John Murray about there could be a huge kind of worms that could be open and those kind of worms have now been opened. South Shields, who were looking likely to go into the National League North, they've launched an appeal along with 30 other clubs are looking to join together and take on the FA on this decision. Now, there will be no relegation from the National League North or South. And we talked about the permutations a few weeks ago, and Null and Voy is probably the harshest one at the minute, isn't it? I think so, Luke. I think it's in, <laughs> incredibly harsh, that, to be honest. I think uh, we've spoken, as you say, we've spoken about this last couple of weeks. And um, I just think that, what are we, 85, 90% of the way through the season... I did notice that Ian Everett had mentioned something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago as well, that if you're, you know, 75 minutes into a match and it rains sometimes, you know, it can be, the result sometimes stands, depending on what, what league you're in. Um, and uh, I just feel it's really difficult that teams that have worked for seven months of, of the season but can't complete the eighth and ninth don't get any reward for their efforts. For me, chaps, there's absolutely no way that no ruling that can come that's going to please everybody. You cannot please all the people all the time. So, what is the fairest way? Null and void. 
it doesn't seem to be beneficial to anybody, really. Um, maybe it would be beneficial to a club like AFC Fylde, for example. But um, for me, the fairest way you can possibly come up with is points per game. I wouldn't say that if you are a third of the way or a halfway through the season, but we're 90% of the way through the season. And uh, nobody can really turn around and say that they were suddenly going to have a dramatic change in fortunes either way. So why not take the points per game that each t- club has achieved in its in, uh, games played and extrapolate it to the end of the season that way? Um, based on Chris's stats the other week, it probably would mean that if uh, three went down rather than four, then point two of a point might come between Maidenhead and Ebbsfleet. And that would be unfortunate for the team that uh, uh, missed out on safety. But um, can anybody come up with amongst you a really strong argument against calculating points per game the only thing i would say is is is, is if there's a team that makes a late surge for example wins over some goals on a, a mad run wins the last eight games or something like a filed or i mean you look at the southern league for example rob peterborough sports they're top they're ahead of tamworth by one point i think but tamworth have a game in hand and it's it's topsy turvy at the top. Harrogate have got a game in hand on Barrow. If they win that, they go within a point of Barrow, I think, and and then they've, they've got to play them as well. So the, the Harrogate Barrow one is a very good argument because it's that close and because they've got to play each other. I, I accept that argument, and like I say, not everybody can possibly be winners. There's going to be winners and losers, but surely some sort of representation of what happened across 90% of the season is better than saying or pretending that it never happened. What I will say, say, sorry, what I will say in the National League is is they actually haven't, they haven't stopped the season yet. It's just at the minute it's not been announced that um, anyone's going down for it. So by Bradford Park Avenue, Hungerford and Braintree, I think it is, are in the bottom four or the bottom two of each division, won't go down now. And obviously, you can see it's tough on South Shields, who spent some good money looking to get into that division. And uh, say you're still scratching your head, but equally, like teams like, say, Harrogate will be going, well, hold on a minute, we've got still got a chance of winning the league. Yeah, Rob, I'm in total agreement with you. I think that the, the points per game have to be the fairest way of doing things. I think as Exactly as you said, there has to be some representation of what happened um, during the last, uh, well, since August last year um, in, in those divisions. And um, we know, I mean, South Shields is a, is a great example. South Shields have spent a lot of money getting to where they, they have got to. And, you know, chances are they'd probably do it again next season. Um, but they've also probably forecasted to, uh, to be in a different division maybe ne- next year. So... I just find it so difficult. I, I just don't think you can wipe out a whole season. Um, and I think the caveat, as, as I think Rob alluded to before all this discussion anyway, is that, yes, there are more important things going on in the world at the moment and football is secondary. But as we were talking about football, I think that's uh, – I totally agree with you, Rob. And you also look at teams below who've already won the leagues effectively and are champions. And I think the only time – Results get null and voided or scrubbed is when obviously teams gone bust halfway through the season and they just award three points to everyone. There's been a bit of um, teams have benefited from that in the past. But in yeah. terms of going up further up the league, I mean, it'd be difficult for the Premier League to do that because all of a sudden you will have a legal challenge from clubs who have got enough money to legally challenge teams. And it almost feels like it's an easy option to do it to step three and six teams because they haven't got the money to challenge it. 
Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I think you might have legal challenges, whatever whatever the case is, though. Look, there was a there's a really interesting discussion on um, the non-league football show, another uh, you know a great podcast about non-league football as as well as ours, obviously. And um, and they mentioned that there are some seasons where teams would have won the league by now, it would have been statistically clear and not been able to have been caught. So. Now, that would have thrown a completely different situation. In this in this case, there isn't, but there are teams that are a, a hell of a long way ahead. I think if you're going to use the points per game um, thing, that's, I think the only thing I'd like to see is maybe just adjusting that for home and away, because bearing in mind how many games teams have got left to play and how many of those might be away from, from home or, or on their own ground. But But really, it seems... The fairest way, if you're going to try and take into account everything that's gone on since, what was it, the 3rd of August? And and it's really hard to sort of write that off. You know, I've heard of players, um, you know, it's not at our level, but um, Ben Bailey, who was at Hensford Town, who was a um, former Telford player, he was one game short of Hensford's all-time appearance record. And basically, if all those games get wiped out, he's got to start again. <laughs> you know, he's he's another 40 games back or whatever it was from what he's played this season. You know, for his own, you know, he knows how many games he's played. Um, but yeah, to, to, to wipe out sort of everything and all the efforts that people have put in since August just seems... You know, it's terribly harsh, isn't it? You know, I'm sure there are some people, it will work in some people's favour, but it will go against some people. It almost feels like that people are being, you know, they're being forced to follow suit or the National League is going to be forced to follow suit with steps three to six. But as for whether people feel that that's the right thing, um, I don't feel that they do feel that that's the right thing, you know, just judging the temperature from social media, etc. If the door was closed, um, a la all the other leagues below, there'd be some interesting scenarios, wouldn't there? Um, Barrow, of course, trying to get back into the Football League for the first time since 1972 would be thwarted. And how bizarre it would be for Stevenage. Remember all those years ago when twice they finished top but weren't allowed into the Football League? Um, it's not mathematically certain that they'll finish bottom of League Two, but they could get... Um, you know, a little bit of good karma come around their way after all these years and they might stay in. One counter, it's not a counter argument to my own point, but the biggest likelihood that it won't happen, there's no precedent, there's no uh, previous example that I'm aware of uh, where points per game have been used. And it's quite a modern thing almost, isn't it? We're so obsessed with stats in football these days that that's something that people might look at. Um, but probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, I don't think people did. Mm. Interesting. We'll watch this space. As I say, the, the FA Council are meeting on Thursday, and then it'll be interesting to see how the National League follows suit and EFL Premier League from there. It's kind of a, a domino effect upwards in a way. One thing, boys, I'm sure you'll have noticed it. Um, it's a little bit odd for me because because I've actually, with my other roles that I'm I, I'm involved with, I've still been working, but... I have kept a little bit across social media. Um, and what I just wanted to point out is that there's one thing that uh, a pandemic like this does. It brings out the humour in people. And it's fantastic. The imagination, the creativity of people, whether it's video themselves doing a particular dance or the isolation 11s that are going on where people in their own house are finding teddy bears and uh, products and things like that and coming up with an 11. One such example I saw on the morning uh, that we're recording this podcast is from the Gloucester manager, James Rowe. 
and uh, the, the, the very imaginative way he put Shitu in his team, uh, and also uh, the manager, the uh, Ginger Mourinho. Very, very impressive. Have a look at that one on Twitter. Um, you, you boys seen any other really good examples of that, that kind of thing? I've seen quite a lot of toilet roll challenges going on um, <laughs> and the like. We've had a few of those um, at my own club, Telford, and I've seen quite a lot of those going on. And, it, it, you know, it's to keep people from going, um, I, say, I won't say crazy, but, you know, it's it's um, when, when football's in your blood like that, you know, it's kind of uh, there's that instinct that competitive isn't there and I, you know I think one player posts a video of him doing keep you up is with the toilet roll and then before you know it you know five or six teammates will have joined in as well and the banter starts to fly so it's um you know you can you get that sense from it that, that of what it's you know of, of how people are you know using that kind of thing to sort of like fill the gap we know what our guest today Mick Payne's been doing from following social media. I know, Mick, that your garden is looking in pristine condition uh, <laughs> and uh, a nice link in, really. But uh, you've been looking at some of those uh, England C teams of the past as well, haven't you? Yeah, it's uh, dead right, Rob. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, time on our hands and sometimes you sit back and, uh, you know, you reminisce, if you like. And uh, no doubt, as I say, people that follow the England C team appreciate. I love you guys. Rob and uh, Luke, you, you've seen uh, firsthand how the UNC go about their business. But no, the players that uh, have, have done the shirt for UNC, it's just, it's just been incredible, really. We mentioned at the start of the podcast, if you had to pick a, a best 11, you know, players that you've worked with throughout the years. I mean, how long have you been doing the job now? Is it a good 20 years? Is it maybe longer? Yeah, it's been, uh, I look that old, I know that, Luke, but... Uh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just suggesting that, Mick. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's 17 years plus, and um, you're dead right, mate. You know, uh, been very, very privileged to uh, be alongside these players. Perhaps at that stage, you know, were you think, are they going to go and play in the football league? Are they going to go and play in the Premiership? Are they going to be international players? Uh, sometimes, you, you, you know, when you see them, you know, make it to the top, you, uh, you, you feel, you know, very, very privileged to have worked with them. And you're dead right. You know, for me, uh, Luke, uh, I've got to say, and Rob and all the guys there, you know, for me to be able to pick a side is, is going to be, you know, extremely difficult because we've had over 200 players at least gone back in the football league. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you want me to, to go through some, I guess, uh, you know, ones that are playing now, if you, this is a side that I have to put out for you. And, uh, you know, some of you guys might, uh, you know, easily remember these, um, these players who are, who are still playing now. I mean, we've got David Scottdale. Uh, he was at York at the time, and um, he, he's playing. This, these all guys who are playing, you know, in the uh, whether they're in the Premiership or in the Championship or you know the Football League. Andy Yarden, who's at Reading. Mickey Dimitri, and uh, who's at uh, Newport. Lee Brown at Portsmouth. Aidan Flint, Michael Morrison, Matty Pearson, Sam Clucas, uh, Kiefer Moore. You know, who's now at Wigan. Andre Gray. Everyone knows playing at Watford. James Norwood, who had a you know a fantastic career in the in the non-league setup. Uh, Joe Lully, uh, Jamal Lowe. This is a this is a bench by the way now. Jamal Lowe, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Fajiri Okunbiri, Anthony Sardovic, you know, Lee Tomlin, Jude Boyd. I mean, you know, I could go on incredible, you know, because I'm sure you know when you get our listeners you know, listen to this podcast, lots of those names will uh, you know really sort of uh, pop up mm-hmm. in there. 
in their head and um, and remember, you know, what they did for their clubs, you know. That's not a bad, uh, not a bad squad he's picked there, is it, guys? Let's be honest. No, I mean, there's some names in there. I mean, the players I certainly have seen at, at National League North level, like Aidan Flint is one that always stands out for me. I remember him playing for Alfreton. Uh, and you know, time, yeah, yeah, he's gone on into the football league, um, and you know, he's done exceptionally. I think um, Carl McFadden was another player. I don't know if he was an England C player necessarily, yeah, yeah. but played played alongside him at Alfreton, and and you know, they've both gone on to have really good, solid professional careers. I mean, is the do you get that sense, Mick, when you when you work with these players at England C that they that you know that they, they do have that extra something about them that's that's whether it's sort of like that that drive, dedication that maybe doesn't exist in in the ones that don't make it. Yeah, I think you know it's a huge point that you just put across. I mean, you know, just come back to Carl McFaz doing dead right. Actually, they played in the same side together at England C. We played at Wales. I'll always remember it and. Uh, McFadden scored a goal from about 40 yards playing at centre-half. <laughs> uh, no, I think the point you just made, I think the, the biggest, biggest thing that comes across for me uh, when you're working with these players, nearly every single one of them have had a, a massive knockback. You know, they've had a knockback, uh, you know, along the way. They've had a knockback, whether it's uh, they've been with a pro, you know, been with a pro club and then get released. Um, and they then have to go again. Just, yeah, the attitude and of course, the biggest thing that stands out is you can see that they've got this incredible desire to uh, to be better, and uh, I think that's something that always stands out for me. And uh, you know, it's, it, it is. It's just uh, when you see these players working, you appreciate you know how good they really are. You know, Mick. One, one thing I noticed when I uh, when I watched you up at Salford uh, last season was the the immense pride that the players had in pulling on the shirt. I mean, they were clearly uh, quite emotional when we were speaking to them after the game and it was nice that you got your fam- the families were there on the pitch and taking pictures of them and things like that. It really means something, doesn't it? Oh, without doubt. You know, the, I'm privileged to be in and around them uh, all the time and, um, you know, when they, even when they get that first, you know, they all turn up and for people that don't know, they all turn up and the, all, all their training gear is there, all their tracksuits there, everything, you know, is there for them, you know, they, they go around in their nice polo shirt and everyone is so, so proud to wear that, me included, each time I put it on, I must say, you know, I'm sure many of us just stand in the mirror and look at ourselves and think, here we go again, this is fantastic. And for anyone who's doing it for the first time, these players, when they get their international cap, must be, uh, well, I know it's pride in place. I mean, strangely enough, um, you know, just when we're talking about certain players, I was talking to Preston Edwards, um, guys we know, uh, Preston, you know, he's, he's now at Dalage Hamlet, and uh, Preston was one of that, was now keeper, and uh, he'd come away on a trip, um, and he was captain, and uh, he spoke to me the other night about it. He said, It's framed, this, 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 my, my captain's arm, man, my cap, my goalkeeping jersey, they are pride and place in my house, and you think, Wow, that just shows you how uh, important it is to all these guys, you know. I think so, perhaps it might be the case that, you know, that, that being involved with England C, as you say, Mick, if particularly if players have, have had a rejection or a knockback early in the careers, must be, you know, a massive boost to their confidence to feel that from, from a position of being essentially rejected by a professional club, that they're now being selected to represent their country. You know, and it's probably no surprise in a way that so many of them do go on 
to make it back into the football league and have good professional careers because they say that that boost to their confidence that it must give them. I mean that that must give you an enormous sense of pride. Well, I think that's again, it's a, a you know a terrific point that you put across. They realise that when they get called up for the England seed, there's no doubt about it. In my opinion, where it's it, for a bit of word, it's like a rubber stamp of approval. You know, they're an international, and then. There's no doubt, you know, the, the, the clubs who look back in the football league realise me. We have an incredible amount of scouts who come at these games, you know, people from Scotland, you know, the Celtic Rangers, all over the place. All different um, clubs come to watch, come to see, you know, these England sea players because they are a gem waiting to be discovered, if you like, and they and they get a great uh, they get a great article, if you like. They get a very very good player, and uh, that's why a lot of them are back in the in the game and. If you, you know, I've got to just come on to that point. You, you say they go and play, and they play against some great opposition. You know, some of the games we've played over the years. Uh, I mean, I look back when we played Turkey, and um, centre forward for Turkey was the, was the boy Toscan who signed for Everton a little while ago. You know, for about twenty million pound, he's playing against England C players, or England C players are playing against him. We played going back a number of years. Uh, I, I told this story many, many times, and. I speak to him regular, uh, Seb Brown, the goalkeeping coach now at Sutton, who was at Wimbledon at the time. And uh, we we played at Luton and we played Belgium. Seb, we won one more and uh, uh, Matthew Barnes-Homer uh, scored the winner. And uh, anyway, he didn't go up the other end to Seb. was Courtois. Courtois was in the old Belgium and Barnes-Homer was being marked by Toby Adeverald. And we win one nil. We didn't see versus Belgium. We win one nil, and there's two two well, world-class players you know, playing for Belgium. Quite incredible. I know um, Matthew Barnes-Homer's um, on Gavin Cowan's coaching staff at Telford now. And, um, yeah, he, I don't think I've heard him... Um, actually, I think I have heard him sort of mention that one um, on occasion before. But, uh, yeah, but clearly, you know, a massively proud moment for him to sort of to be able to say he was on the same field as those players. And not just that, he's, you know, he scored against them. Exactly. Exactly, you know, he's a good character, he was. Again, you know, just come back to the point, it, it, it's, it's really, uh, I wouldn't say strange, but there's, a, there's a, a real sort of, once they put that English shirt on, they, they get in that environment, it's amazing the amount of players who just raise the level again, you know, the, the level of performance, the level of intensity, the level of, not enthusiasm, but desire to do so, so well. And they, they, every training session is done to the maximum, every meeting we have they're, they're engaged and then of course they then go out on the field to play and uh, they don't leave anything behind and so there's been some wonderful memories along the way and um, some great results along the way you know we, we know what those training sessions can do don't we um, Rob in particular you know these these young hopefuls who get a chance in those training sessions please don't men- make me mention yet again boys that I hit the crossbar in training I- I'm just so gutted really because I beat Ben Killett all, all ends up, you know, but that blooming crossbar came to his rescue. Um, <laughs> no, serious stuff. Um, brilliant question from you, Dickie, and it's absolutely right. What sets these guys apart is mentality. Um, and uh, they've, I, I was privileged to sit in on uh, one of Paul and uh, Mick's uh, player meetings out in Estonia, and I couldn't believe the amount of adversity some of these players had faced. So, that then, as Mick says, rubber stamping, um, uh, they're already very, very strong mentally and they tend to kick on after that. Um, but I wanted to commend 
your work in the background, Mick, yourself and Paul and the other people that, uh, you know, you have out there, the eyes and ears around the country, because you were very brave with that squad that you picked to go to Estonia. I remember that three quarters of the defence last June, all none of them, none of those three played in the National League, the National League North or the National League South. They were from steps three and four. And look what happened. Soon after, David Long King, who was exceptional in that game, got a move from Biggleswade to St Albans. And just this weekend, as we are recording the podcast, Alex Brown, who you brought in, was playing, mm-hmm. I think, step four. Has got yeah. a, a Step move three. He was at uh, Buxton in the Northern Premier League. Yeah, beg your pardon. And now he's gone to Kings Lynn, who are in, uh, obviously, step two and could possibly be in step one next season. You know, massive, uh, you know, I have to say, he, he has got a great scouting system. Uh, but also what happens as well, what is that there, you know, we've always got our area to the ground and, our, you know, we listen to people that gives us, you know, you can be one or two, uh, you know, the boy, uh, uh, it, you know, that's uh, all this that you, I remember you telling me about him when he was playing for Met Police and uh, you said you'd had a, a little bit of a tickle that he was doing well and he gets to move to all the shots. So all these players are really uh, always under the, um, what say, the microscope, but they're always under, you know, looking for to see how good they can be for the England C set up. I and mean, we believe they've got the ability, we believe they've got the potential, and they will get a chance. So I, I want to really emphasise that, you know, guys who are out there playing, or managers who are going to listen to this podcast, look, all your players are always under an opportunity to uh, to be selected because we, we look, you know, right the way down the leads. There's no doubt about that. Mick, when a player goes to move, do they... Do you ever get phone calls? I mean, more probably off goalkeepers, isn't it? But do you and Paul ever get phone calls going, what this club's interested? What do you think? Oh, I mean, we, we do get that. Uh, I, I get that, yeah, on a, on a, on a regular basis. And I know Paul does as well, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing, I think, as well, that, you know, that it, we're, we're privileged, I keep going back to we're privileged to know them as people as well as footballers. Does that make sense? You know, mm. we get to know them as people as well. And I think it's so, so important. If someone's going to come into your club, you want someone who's going to be someone who comes into that team, especially if they've, you know, you've already got a settled side. You want someone who's going to come in and enhance that team. And you don't want someone coming in who's going to be a, an issue or a problem, you know, off the field or anything like that. So, yeah, I think it's also, they ask about their character. And I think that's very, very important and very vital that they, you know, want to see what sort of lad they are and, uh, you know, what they offer. Yes, on the football field, but what do they offer, you know, outside the football field? Are they going to be, you know, a, a guy that's going to really uh, integrate with the rest of the lads and things like that? So I think that's so, so important. And as you said, for obviously for new listeners of the podcast, it's, it's, it's not necessarily you don't have to be playing in the top National League division or even the North and South. You know, you can be playing in, in step three and step four, can't you? And if you're doing well, you'll, you'll get picked out, won't you? Oh, exactly right. You know, you, you, you will get picked out. And, and that's been proven time and time again. And uh, as I say, you know, you come back, I mean, there's, there's a guy, you look at, look at the career he's had already, the boy, uh, Jay Adams. He was playing at Biggles Wade, wasn't he, I believe? Uh, or something else, I'm sure. He was at Ilkeston for a bit, wasn't he? And then, did he... But he, you know, he came through. Unfortunately, he didn't get the opportunity to play for him. So, you know, he was called up for our, our training weekend. And uh, within that, <laughs> I'll be getting called up for our training weekend. All of a sudden, he gets to move to Birmingham, you know. So, uh, it was, uh, whether that was uh, uh, an opportunity. 
I saw a photo the other week of a, an old program from the Four Nations tournament back in 2007. So that's when it was almost unlimited ages, I think. And uh, they were called England National Game 11 back yeah. then. And I think it was England, Scotland, Wales, and were Ireland in it? I'm not sure. Back then. Yeah, I mean, that's what we, we used to play. I've got to be honest with you, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a tough tournament. Uh, when I say mm. it was a tough tournament, it was a, because it was over a week, you know, literally over um, more than six days. So you had to have a squad together. And uh, again, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's had, it's had one or two uh, different names, isn't it? You know, the, it's, it's had various sort of uh, England amateurs, whatever you want to call it. It's had different names. but And now it's a, it is an under-23 um age group before we used to have open age but mm. again Paul was very I wouldn't say reluctant that's the wrong word but he was very mindful of not trying to bring players in you know who, who, because his philosophy at Ireland and what the team was about is about trying to develop players you know if, if someone's in their 30s well he's not going to get a move you wouldn't have thought very very rarely back in the football if you've got a 21 year old playing for the NC he was very mindful of making sure that um, the players that were selected, you know, were, were of a certain age. You know, I mean, I've mentioned about the guys who were playing, if you don't mind me coming straight on that, and we've got some previous players who have played uh, for in the seat and might be of interest as well to you guys. I mean, uh, I've picked another speaker and now not playing, you know, Chrissy Will, the goalkeeper, and he's like playing at Leicester. Um, great career at Yeovil Town as well. I mean, here's one, fullback, Sam. And then to have because you know the career he's had and uh, now manager at Shrewsbury Town. So, you know, he he, he finished up um, you know, playing for us. Uh, John Ashton is at he's at Stevenage, uh, Fraser Franks, uh, he finished up um, you know, was at Newton Wimbledon. He actually captained England C on a number a couple of occasions. Kevin Nicholson at Torquay. Yeah, I mean here's one, I mean, I have to mention this young lad, uh, Mitchell Cole, unfortunately not with us anymore. Uh, unfortunately, lots of people know about Mitchell when, you know, he had the heart defect. But what mm. a great lad he was. I mean, he um, he played 14 times for England C. Really stepped up to the plate every time he played and finished up scoring seven goals, which is, uh, I think, his second best record in the... Uh, in, uh, in, and he was a midfield player. You know, it was quite incredible. Mm. He, used to just, he used to just raise his game. is a, a, a fantastic... He was a great captain. Uh, Paul Carden for us. I mean, Gars was just brilliant. Paul Carden, as I said, uh, Lee Johnson, who's now manager at Bristol City, he played for the England mm. setup. You know, again, uh, quite incredible. Steve Morrison, you know, Steve Nidge at the time play, uh, played at uh, played down at Bishop Stalford to start off with, and then went to uh, Steve Nidge and um, you know, Paul Welsh in the national. Here's one that people might not even know who played for England City. Junior Dodo. I mean, there's one uh, mm. the, uh, the back burner. You know, I looked down at his list the clubs he's played for. Incredible. Um, you know, Junior and... Uh, but, you know, just some well, great names there, you know. Well, I, I was going to say, in this um, on this particular squad for that tournament, you had Nicky Ball in goal. He was at Aldershot yeah. at the time. You had Scott Tynan, who was at Rushton and Diamonds. They were the two goalkeepers. Yeah. Then you had Abin, Adam Yates, who, who was at Morecambe when they were in the the conference as it was. John Ashton, as you mentioned, he was at Rushton Diamonds at the time. Adam Quinn, he was at Halifax. Danny Foster yeah, is at Dagenham at Redbridge. Um, Mark Mosley, who was at Aldershot, who, who yeah. you all know well. 
Uh, Kieran Charnick, who's at Northwich Victoria when they were in the, the conference. Kevin Nicholson, who ex Torquay manager, who's at Forest Green. Lewis Chalmers, he was at Altrincham. He went on and had a good career. Paul Carden, as you mentioned, he was playing at Burton Albion when they were in the National League. Mitchell Cole, he was at Stevenage Borough. Neil Bishop, he's still playing. He was at York City. Uh, Glenn Southam, he was at Dagenham and Redbridge. John Grant, he was at Aldershot. Um, <laughs> I know all these Aldershot players, eh? When you were good, eh, Rob? Uh, <laughs> back, in, back in the day. Go yeah. on, finish the list. That's, that's shut him off, hasn't it? Um, Andrew Burgess, who was at Oxford United. Matt Tubbs, who was at Salisbury City. And Gareth Seddon, who was at Hyde United at the time. And, of course, Paul Fairclough, who was manager. Steve Burr was assistant manager, who was coach. You were there as goalkeeping coach. And then you've got the, the rest of the backroom staff. But that's some squad, wasn't it? Yeah. I've had plenty of time on my hands over the last you know, week or so. And um, ah, I mean, you just said that squad. I mean, we could name... I reckon we could name 10 squads that would be, people would just stand up and go, wow, there are some players there. I mean, Glenn Southern, you just mentioned, I mean, Glenn played 13 times. Uh, he was at, cause, you know, at the time I was coaching at Dagger and Redbridge, so I was privy to see these guys uh, working, and, uh, you know, Glenn came in. I mean, there's one I'm not even mentioned there, another player, if you don't mind me saying, Craig Mikkel Smith, what a good player mm. he's at, he's still playing at, uh, he's on load at Stevens at the moment, but. He was, he was playing for Arsley Town. He was playing for Arsley Town. Then he got the move to, to, to Dagenham. And, um, as I say, the rest is history. Went on to Peterborough and went to Brighton. And I think went for about four million at the time. So quite, quite, as I said, you, you just mentioned that squad, but we could name 10 squads and anyone would just would come up their own and think, you know, these guys have done so, so well. And, uh, they don't realize that they all played. Non-league football, you know, this is the this is the key to it. They're all non-league players when they get selected to play. Andre Gray was another one, was he, me? No, Andre. I mean, he, I always remember. The, if you again, just a quick story on that. We went to Warwick University to um, we had a, a sort of training uh, before we went off to a, to a game, and uh, I didn't know too much about Andre. And uh, we 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 put a game out. We had we had a practice game against the British universities. University, I've always come on very Gray for about. I, I was I, I, I was doing one of my jobs where I have to stand behind the goal, and so not just to this is just to collect the ball sometimes, you know, if they come flying over. So I'm standing behind the goal with this 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 sort of practice game. The ball's come down, Andre Gray has just smashed one in from about 40 yards. It's at the other side of the bar. I mean, say, I'm sure there must have been a crack in the bar because the way he hit it and the power of it, but. Straight away, I thought this guy can play. And uh, as I said, he's had a couple of great moves. And I've got to say, Andre is someone who's, who's definitely benefited from him in the sea because it definitely uh, gave him a focus. And um, he realised, you know, he had a chance to, to move on. And uh, he's had some great moves, hasn't he, uh, in his career. And uh, he's still doing exceptionally well. Talking about Four Nations tournament then, Mick, I mean, would, was that something you'd want to see resurrected? You know, as, as like a, maybe an end-of-season tournament or a pre-season tournament? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I believe it was a, a really good tournament. It was a well-supported, um, you know, we, we played the same in Wales, we played in Scotland, um, we've had the games, you know, uh, in England as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a really good tournament and, um, you know, other uh, associations perhaps couldn't always uh, maintain the... Um, the back end of it, if you like, and uh, unfortunately it did fall by the wayside slightly, yeah, but it would be something that would be good, I think. Oh, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it, guys, if that was resurrected? A week, a full, like, three three or four days of that, would be great. 
I'd be up oh, for that. That'd be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. You know, it, it, you know how much I was looking forward to, you know, the game this week and, and, um, seeing the game, but the possibility of being around the team and, you know, meeting Mick again and things like that. And it's, yeah, it's more than just the game. I think, you know, you've got that whole, there is, there's kind of a social element towards it as well. But I think probably more than anything, you know, we're all big fans. We're all big, um, you know, we all like to promote the game at this level, you know, and I think that's what England C does. Mick, in terms of the um, fixtures end, I mean, was the one arranged against Nepal? Was that supposed to be for May, was it? Am yeah, I right thinking? Yeah, I mean, that's still, it's still in the uh, the mix. Yeah, I, I think what it is, I, I believe it's, uh, you know, down in the uh, area of Aldershot. Bank only Monday, I believe, on the 25th of May. So, uh, you know, whether it goes ahead is, uh, is you know, um, well, it's a big question, as we all know. So, um, but if it does, it'll be a wonderful occasion. And, uh, you know, we'd love everyone to come and support you. Brilliant. Well, I've got as well, uh, Luke, okay. if you don't mind, I'm, I'm throwing all these names in, but it might just be interesting. Um, I can't get a sight and get nine out of you are full international now, if you want to just run, run that by. You know, as, yes, they started in the... Uh, I mean, you mentioned about uh, Junior Agogo, for example, who played for England C. He went on to play for Ghana. I mean, there's a lot of other players like that, isn't there, Mick, who've come through the England C set-up, not necessarily played for England at international level, but gone on and played international football and done really well uh, at clubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still we're still waiting for that one, you know, in the modern sort of era since I've been involved in, um, you know, 17 years with no other a player go on. But uh, you're right. I mean, uh, David Stockdale was being called up. He, he, he was playing at York at the time, but he got called up for the England full squad by, by Capello and uh, sat on the bench. So unfortunately, he didn't get on the, on the field of play, but he was our closest to get a, an England full cap. And of course, uh, to Jamie Vardy. I mean, Jamie Vardy was called up for the England seat twice uh, when he was at Halifax. And um, twice he, he had to pull out through injury. So he may have been the you know, I've been the one that uh, would have got that uh, England C cap as well as the full international. But yeah, I mean, Andy Iden, uh, who's at Reading now, was at Barnet. He's played for Ghana. George Boyd, you know, was at um, at Stevenage at the time. He was uh, he's gone to play for Scotland. Here's a recent one. Um, he came away with strange enough with us to uh, Estonia a couple of seasons ago. It was Keith Moore, who uh, would have been playing in the European Championship for Wales, wouldn't he? Uh, this this summer, but uh, um, yeah, but Keith has done exceptionally well. He's a full international. I've already mentioned Craig Michael Smith. You know, he, he finished up playing for Scotland, and uh, at the time, you know, he was at uh, he came through from Dagenham Redbridge. Sam Ricketts, I think, he played over forty odd times for Wales. Sam, uh, although he started out of England, see, and you mentioned Junior Junior Agogo, you know, playing with Ghana. I know he, he played well in his about, about twenty seven times. I think he played with Ghana. So. You know, these guys have gone on, Luke, you know, they've gone on to bigger and better things and play full international football. But I want to just put it out there again. They started in non-league football. Unbelievable. Excellent. Well, I think that's it. Mick, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us and hopefully we'll see you on that May Bank holiday weekend. Yeah, Luke, always a pleasure to join you guys and, uh, you know, the way you, t- you, know, you support the non-league setup and, you know, I know at the moment it's uh, few and far between in trying to, uh, you know, have things to, to discuss, but the England C set up is massive and, um, you know, the way we, 
hopefully put that across today. Hopefully it's give a number of people some uh, food for thought to, to select their best England uh, seaside from players that they know. Yeah, get in touch with us on Twitter at NL Full Time. Send us in your teams if you wish, and uh, we'll, we'll maybe read them out next week. Um, Rob, Dickie, Chris, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, great to speak to you again, Mick. Yeah, thank you, guys, and uh, again, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure to speak to you, you fellas. Yeah, cheers, Luke. <laughs> cheers, guys. Pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us, Mick. Uh, and just a little teaser. Maybe next week's podcast, maybe the week after, listeners. But uh, once there is a definitive decision about the National Leagues, then uh, we will look at the team's pre-season predictions. We won't be applying points per game. We won't be making it null and void. We will be drawing a line in the sand um, if the season is deemed to have ended. And we'll let you know how the boys have done with their pre-season predictions. There will be an official winner on this. (laughs) definitely so thank you very much for listening don't forget to subscribe to us on spotify and itunes until then stay safe look after yourself and we'll see you all very soon